0: From NPR and WNYC, coming to you from the Moore Theater in Seattle, Washington. It's NPR's hour of puzzles, word games, and trivia. Ask me another. I'm Jonathan Colton. Now here's your host, Ophira Eisenberg.
1: Hello, everybody. Yeah. Excellent fun. We have a great show for you. We have four brilliant contestants. They are backstage getting hit in the face with a fish. And soon they will be out here playing some nerdy games with us. And one of them will be our big winner. You know, I have to say, there are some stereotypes in every city that ring true. And, uh, yep, I have to thank you for wearing your evening fleece. Thank you. (laughs) I'm sure there's some high heel Merrill's in the audience. Your good Gore-Tex. They put on their good Gore-Tex. <laughs> <laughs> I used to live in Vancouver, and that is all I owned. All I owned. And then you move to New York, and you realize that if you wear that, people think that you uh, you're working on their garden. <laughs> 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 uh, we have an amazing guest on our show. We have comedian and host of Nailed It on Netflix, Nicole Byer. <laughs> Nailed it, of course, builds on that internet trend that we all love of watching cake fails. One of my favorite things, cake fails. And I feel like cake fails really bring us all together as Americans, right? Because what do Americans love? Sugar. What else do we love? Watching other people fail from the comfort of our couch while we are eating sugar. That's America, baby. Uh, And uh, because I watch a lot of baking shows, I just want to make a few statements. One, Rice Krispie Treats, not a cake. (laughs) Two, fondant, terrible. Let's stop using fondant. Stop using fondant. Yeah. That's got to be plastic. It's like, yeah, it's got to be a plastic. Uh, Three, every human face rendered on a cake is terrifying. (laughs) Never works out. It's like, here you go. What is that, Gary Busey? No. That's you, Mom. All right, you guys are amazing. Let's play some games. Our first game is based on Sleepless in Seattle, the iconic Seattle movie with the most iconic scene that takes place In New York (laughs) On the top of the Empire State Building I'm sorry that your most famous rom-com Had to export its romantic scene To somewhere cooler First up (laughs) You know what, it was going really well And then I think I remember where it turned I know Let's talk to our contestants. First up, Karen Seacrest, you work as a program manager for a tech company, and you used to make a bit of extra cash, setting up small stakes, trivial pursuit
2: games, Yep, where you were gambling. Well, you could call it gambling, but <laughs> I call it winning. <laughs> okay, so... <laughs> So, how did it work? Uh, I had a friend who was at Johns Hopkins University, and I was at a small school in Massachusetts at the time. Yeah. So, I'd go down to visit her, and she'd get these uh, fraternity brothers together, and they'd all pull in some money, and then I'd beat them. Oh. (laughs) Oh. Uh, And what kind of money are we talking about? Oh, it was big money. I mean, like $20 a head to buy-in, so... I didn't pay off my school loans, but I made friends with pitchers of beer. How many years of this? Uh, two.
1: Two? That's good. That's solid. Okay, Karen, when you ring in, we'll hear this. Your opponent is Bruce Ryan. You're retired, but you worked in the marketing department at Microsoft and were in charge of making Minesweeper popular. Yes. You did a great job. I had to delete that off every PC I'd ever had.
3: Well, it's funny you mention that, because actually Bill Gates had to do the exact same thing. He became obsessed with it as well, so uh, I would uh, play Minesweeper quite a bit, and my times got around, and at one point I got a mail in the afternoon, and it was actually uh, Bill reporting back that he had beaten my best time. But strangely, he saved the game, and it was not on his machine, but it was on the president of the company's machine because he had taken it off his machine. He was wasting too much time on it.
1: <laughs> so, so like a true addict, you just find another machine. Sure.
3: Exactly. So.
1: <laughs> Bruce, when you ring in, we'll hear this. Karen and Bruce, whoever has more points after two games will go to our final round. We're paying tribute to the romantic classic, Sleepless in Seattle, with a word game about psychology and geography. In this game, every answer is a play on the title, Sleepless in Seattle, swapping in different alliterative moods and cities.
0: For example, if we said Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan spend their first date at the Eiffel Tower talking about divorce rates over wine glasses that are half empty, you would answer, pessimistic in Paris.
1: Remember, the emotion in the city will always begin with the same letter. Okay, here we go. Tom Hanks thought his trip to this New England city would be fun, but the historic Freedom Trail turned out to be a real snooze. Meanwhile, at Fenway Park, Meg Ryan falls asleep watching the Red Sox because the game is dull, dull, dull. Karen, born in Boston. Exactly.
0: This Tennessee town was made famous when Johnny Cash sang about going there to cheat on his wife. Now Meg Ryan is green with envy because Tom Hanks has vowed to do the same. Karen.
2: Oh, um, it's, uh, I'm going to Jackson is the name of the song, so he's a jerk in Jackson. He is... Jealous and Jackson?
0: Jealous and Jackson is what we're looking for. That's correct.
1: <laughs> and a jerk, because in this version of the movie, he has a wife, and he's still trying to do a meat cute with... I guess it's a, a meat cheat. It's not a meat cute. It's a meat cheat. Meet cheat.
0: <laughs> it's a rom, come on. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs>
0: Rita Wilson sends Meg Ryan on a reporting trip to the most populous city in Nigeria, where she encounters a series of good omens. She finds a four-leaf clover, sees a shooting star, and a bird poops on her head. Bruce. Lucky in Lagos. Yeah, you got it. Yeah. Meg Ryan has a crotchety attitude. So Tom Hanks takes her out for a pint at a pub in Scotland's most populous city. Will he change her curmudgeonly ways? Karen.
2: Is she grumpy in Galway? Oh, God, don't hate me.
0: Sorry, I know, nobody. I think you're taking this too seriously. Karen, no one's gonna. Well, now you blew it. Now. Uh, I'm sorry, Karen, that's incorrect. Bruce, do you know the answer? Uh, Grumpy in Glasgow? Yeah, that's right.
1: This is your last clue. Tom Hanks takes Meg Ryan out to dinner in the Mile High City. She loves seafood, so she's very excited to try Rocky Mountain oysters. But she's totally let down when she learns what they are. Karen. She's disappointed in Denver. Sure she is. All right, that was a close game, but Karen is in the lead. Our next quiz is about video games, aka the excuse grown men use to talk to each other. (laughs) So Washington State is home to Microsoft, which makes Xbox. It's also home to the American headquarters of Nintendo. And that inspired this audio quiz called Bleep Bloop. We are going to play an iconic video game sound. You are just going to tell us the video game it's from. Karen, stay in the lead and you're in the final round. Bruce, you need to get more points or <laughs> Here's your first one. <laughs> Bruce.
3: Uh Super Mario
1: Brothers? No, I'm sorry. Karen, can you steal? Is it Qbert? No. <laughs> Not at all. What's wrong with you people? <laughs> that is Donkey Kong. Oh. Yes. And how about this one?
2: Karen. Sonic the Hedgehog? Yes, indeed. How do
1: you know that one? Uh, I stayed inside a lot in college. Okay, this this is your sweet spot. Yeah. Okay. Very good. All right. I'm going to enjoy this next one. Let's see how you do. <laughs> Scary. Pretty intense. It's very yeah. intense. Any ideas? Karen. Is it um? Is it Frogger? It's not Frogger. Oh, it's I really the wanted other to one. give it to you because you're so excited about it, might be, but I can't. Bruce, can you steal? How about Qbert? <laughs> the old Qberts. That is uh, Dig Dug. Oh. All right, you got to know this one.
4: Oh, get over here!
2: <laughs> Karen. Uh, Finish him, Mortal Kombat. Yeah.
1: Very good. All right, how about this next one?
2: Karen. Dance Dance Revolution. Please be that.
1: I cannot make your wish come true. I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> your confidence folded up like an umbrella there
1: <laughs> Yes. Oh no, I don't feel so sure. Bruce, can you steal? Super Mario Kart.
3: <laughs> I clearly didn't spend enough time playing video games.
1: <laughs> well, you clearly spent a lot of time playing one video game, but that's Katamari Damasi. All right, this is your last clue. Karen. Tetris. Yes! Great job, both of you. After two games, Karen is moving on to our final round. Coming up, I'll talk to comedian Nicole Bayer from Nailed It, and we'll play a game called Fact Bag. Don't worry, Seattle, the bag is an ecotote. I'm Ofira Eisenberg and this is Ask Me Another from NPR. Support for this podcast and the following message comes from Target Red Card. Save 5% and get more every day. More yum for your favorite fall recipes. More style for cozy layered looks. More boo for Halloween decorations. From kids' favorite costumes to all things pumpkin spice, Red Card gets you more. Learn more in-store or online. Restrictions apply. See target.com slash redcard for details. Support for this podcast is brought to you by Discover Card. You can check things all the time, like your email or social media. But Discover asks, what about checking something as important as your credit score? Well, Discover makes it quick and easy with their credit scorecard, which is free for everyone, even if you're not a customer. See your FICO credit score and other important credit information. And once you know your score, you should check to see if your current credit card is the best fit for you. Learn more at discover.com slash credit scorecard. Limitations apply.
4: Happy Halloween, nerds! This week, don't miss a special, spooky batch of episodes from NPR's new daily science podcast, Shortwave.
0: We're going to talk about parasites that take over and control the brains of their hosts. Yes. Much like a podcaster does to their
1: audience.
4: <laughs> Listen and subscribe to Shortwave from NPR.
0: This is Ask Me Another, NPR's Hour of Puzzles, Word Games, and Trivia, coming to you from Seattle, Washington. I'm Jonathan Colton. Here's your host, Ophira Eisenberg.
1: Thank you, Jonathan. It's time to meet our special guest. She's a comedian and the host of the Netflix baking competition series, Nailed It, and you can hear her voice on the new animated series, Tuca and Birdie. Please welcome Nicole Byer. Nicole. Hello. Welcome. Thank you. So, Nicole, you are the host of the Netflix show Nailed It. If you don't know, it's described as three amateur bakers who have demonstrated poor baking skills <laughs> attempt to create some cake masterpieces. That sums it up, right?
4: Yeah, I'd like to say it's three people who don't know how to bake who are competing to kill me. <laughs> <laughs> the things people do. <laughs> You're just like, Why? Also, if someone gets an eggshell in their cake batter, I will get it in my mouth, and I don't know why. Jacques is always like, I don't know why. It happens to you. Uh, that is my very accurate French accent.
1: That is uh, Jacques Torres, the chocolatier
4: extraordinaire yes. who's on the show. Who's like a genius. Yes. And I truly was like, why are they sitting this little dumpster next to this like highly accredited man? <laughs> I was like, I feel bad for him. <laughs> But wait, so how did you get this gig? Uh, In a very strange way. Usually people audition for things. Sure. uh, But the production company, (laughs) it was a straight offer, baby. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) The the production company is called Magical Elves, and they had seen me perform a couple times, and they said, we kind of want to do an internet meme as a TV show, and we want someone who's good at... Poking fun, but not being too mean. Right. Uh, And I was like, that's kind of my wheelhouse. I'm not mean. I can't do a roast. It's so hard for me to, like, insult people. But now I'm finding it hard not to insult these people. (laughs) Because you're like, what on earth? Have you ever seen a spatula? Like, do you know what a kitchen is? Where are you? Right. Like, are you all right? (laughs) Right. But it's fun, it's so much fun. So
1: I love the fact that it celebrates failure, basically.
4: Well, I think it's fun in a way where, uh, I feel like social media has shown people that like it's not okay to fail, that everyone's lives are perfect except for yours. Right. And I think you can watch the show and be like, look at those idiots. Maybe I'll try to do something. And it's like comedy, you're not going to get on stage and kill it every night. You're going to fail a bunch. So I think it's good for people to see other people fail, and they're like, well, maybe I can try to do this. I think that's the message maybe that no one's ever saying.
1: (laughs) I agree. So you moved to New York from New Jersey Mm -hmm. in, uh, 2000s... 2004? 2004. I think. You're not doing stand-up initially. You're a server at a comedy club.
4: Yes, I worked in a comedy club. It was a weird restaurant. It was, uh, you can see it on Kitchen Nightmares. It is episode two of the first season. Uh... (laughs) And it was one-third Irish bar, one-third Indian restaurant, one-third cabaret room. Yes! It made no sense... And I worked the cabaret room that had, like, drag shows and comedy shows. And stand-up. Yeah.
1: And uh, I read that you were somewhat, like, part of the reason that you started to think of maybe doing stand-up, I'm sure it was kind of circulating in your head Mm -hmm. all the time, just based on your personality and that you're funny, but then you're watching people doing stand-up, you're watching guys doing Mm stand-up, and they are talking about women, and they're mm-hmm. talking about women's bodies.
4: Yeah. Um, well, I didn't really think about doing a stand-up. Like, I would serve tables, and they would give me a lot of money because they were like, you're very funny. You have to get out of here. You're very bad at this. Um, LAUGHTER uh, and then I started doing improv. Uh-huh. And then when I started writing stand-up, I remembered all those men and how they would talk about women's bodies. I, I hated it. Yeah. So, like, when I started writing, I was like, I want to talk about men the way they talk about women. And you better believe they're real mad about it on Reddit. LAUGHTER <laughs> Like I don't think I'm saying anything truly harmful. Where a lot of men sometimes are feeding into misogyny and this like sick idea that women are inferior. And I feel like uh, I don't. I feel like I may be pointing out those things, but I don't think I'm making a man feel afraid of his life. You know what I'm saying? Right. Right. Like I've sat in shows and been like, this man might kill me. Like he's angry. You know.
1: So you also host a podcast called Why Won't You Date Me?
4: Yes. Thank you for listening.
1: I do. Where you're on a quest basically to answer that question. Yes. You are 80 episodes in. How do you feel about where we're at in this quest?
4: Um healthier? Yes. It has been very eye-opening to speak to people that I've hooked up with in my 20s. The best. Yeah, and I feel like I'm living out like a, a couple of people's dreams to be like, seriously, why didn't you date me? And then to have them give me an honest answer. Uh, people have been like, brutally honest at times. Uh, <laughs> but like that's sometimes something you need to hear to grow, and I'm also in therapy. Uh, my therapist, Mary, is a wonderful woman. LAUGHTER <laughs> uh, but I love Mary. I love therapy. I talk about it a lot because I feel like, especially among Black people, it's stigmatized. And like my uncle, after I started taking ADD medicine, was like, "You don't need it. You don't have ADD." And I was like, "Well, what do I have?" He's like, "I don't know." And I was like, "Cool. I'm gonna take these pills and like live <laughs> exactly. and like thrive." Okay. Uh, so I try to mention it at nauseam so people do it. And then when people are like, "It's too expensive," I'm like, "There's sliding scale. There's apps." If there's a will, there is a way. If you, Like, you can figure it out. Yeah.
1: All right. Are you ready to uh, play a game with us? Yes, I love All right. games. Nicole Byer, I would like to bring back Jonathan Kilton to the stage. Oh, hi, 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 hi. <laughs> Nicole, Jonathan, Jonathan, Nicole. Hi, Nicole. Hello, Jonathan. Nicole, the three of us are going to play a game called Fact Bag. Okay. We upcycled a paper bag from Bartell Drugs. Ooh, that's cute. And we filled it with trivia questions written on envelopes. Now, we didn't get the answers in advance, so I'm going to read a question. The three of us will talk it over and try to figure out the answer, or at least just come up with an entertaining guess. And then we'll open up the envelope and find out the real answer. So let's go for Fact bag number one. All right. The question is in language, which came first, orange the color or orange the fruit?
4: The fruit. The fruit? Obviously.
0: That's my first instinct as well. Yeah.
4: I- the fruit came first. Yeah. They
1: were like, this is an orange fruit, and now everything this color will be
4: is yeah, orange. Yeah, they found the fruit, and they were like, what is it? And someone was like, I don't know. And then they kept picking them. They're like, I don't know. And then they put it in their mouth. They're like, oh, an orange. <laughs> <laughs> that's the sound. It's the sound of somebody <laughs> the orange. eating orange. That? That's right. <laughs> oh, it's
0: an orange. When you think about it, there aren't a lot of other things that are orange, orange in nature, right? Sure. It's not like there's a bunch of orange stuff, and they were like, that's the color orange. And then Mm -hmm. they're like, oh, this fruit is also that same color, so we'll name it after the color. I feel like that's what what I think it's the orange. Orange first.
1: All right, let's see what the bag says. I'm so
4: excited. What's it going to be?
1: The answer is orange the fruit came first. See? According to Atlas Obscura, the word orange to describe the fruit can be traced back to the 1300s when oranges became popular in Europe. It is derived from the Sanskrit word for orange tree or naranga. The word orange to describe the color did not come until at least 200 years later. Before then, the color orange was just described as red-yellow. Ah. It's interesting that they had red and yellow. Yep. <laughs> But they weren't ready to go to the next step.
4: But I like whoever was like, well, that's red, yellow. And they're like, but I have this fruit that we call an orange. Do you think maybe that's orange too? (laughs) And they're like, no,
1: no, no.
4: (laughs) In February
1: 2019, recently, scientists at UC Davis ran an experiment to learn why zebras have stripes. What was their conclusion? Well, I mean, I I was under the impression it's like they have them. It's a camouflage. Yeah, it's a camouflage. All right, so
0: if you're gonna test that theory, then you just you get, <laughs> you put a bunch of uh, lions.
4: <laughs> you get in a an bunch area, of lions,
0: and then you get like ten zebras and ten horses,
4: mm-hmm. and yep. you see
0: which ones get eaten.
4: That's <laughs> a good one. Ah! Hmm. I guess maybe the conclusion is uh, they got stripes because they're like fashion horses they're like the couture horses you know they're fashionable Uh, I think it's also camouflage I think that's my my real answer yeah Uh, right but then I'm thinking about the desert and nothing's black and white nope well I guess that's a good good point they're not like brown they stick out like a sore thumb on the desert they're pretty easy to see so maybe maybe they're supposed to be eaten (laughs) that's what it is Yeah. God was like, these
1: horses are too hard to find. You know what? I think these lions need an easy snack. Here you go, my babies. All right. Let's see what the conclusion is. The answer is zebras' stripes confuse flies. What? How the hell can you tell if a fly is confused? They look confused all the time. All the time. All the time. They're never going in the straight line. They're constantly confused. Where am I? What's going on? Where are we going? Bam, this way. They're a mess. This experiment took place on a British farm that had both horses and zebras. You were uh, onto that was something. My plan. You were onto something. <laughs> Researchers outfitted the animals with different colored sheets to make them appear all black and white or black and white striped. Then they observed what happened when flies tried to land on the horses and the zebras. They observed that when most flies got close to the black and white stripe pattern, they became confused.
4: People got paid to do this. Yeah. <laughs> I am so angry.
1: Uh, all right. That is the end of Fact Bag. We oh. did it. We're out of facts. Okay. We did a great job. Fact Bag is happy. Thank you for helping us work it, through it, Nicole. Oh, thank you. Nicole Byer will be back a little later in our show for her own Ask Me Another Challenge. Give it up for Nicole Byer, everybody. Yeah. Our next game is based on Fifty Shades of Grey, which tells the Seattle-based story of a couple that pushes the boundaries of discomfort and pain by living in Seattle during the winter. (laughs) First up, Lindsay Burton. You're a communications manager for the Seattle Public Library Foundation. That's right. Yay! Yay! So what's the best part of working for the Seattle Public Library?
2: Uh, I mean, this sounds pandery, but I just love working uh, to help an institution that, you know, accepts anywhere, no matter who you are, where you're from, whether you have a nickel in your pocket, like it's just uh, democratizing. And so I just love, you know, that cause. That's perfect.
1: All right, Lindsay, when you ring in, we'll hear this. Your opponent is Dennis Feeney. You're a mapping geologist for the Idaho Geological Survey. What exactly does your job entail?
3: So I spend my summers hiking and driving around the wilds of Idaho looking at rocks and determining where they are, why they're there, how they relate to the other rocks around them.
1: Yeah, any kind of rock your specialty?
3: I focus on the volcanics.
1: I don't know if you go on hikes with friends, but if, do you go on hikes with friends?
3: Sure. Okay, so <laughs> do
1: they pick up rocks and they're like, what does this mean, Dennis? Do they do that to you?
3: Yeah, and I give lots of fake answers. You
1: do? <laughs> you should eat that rock. <laughs> <laughs> that one's delicious. Dennis, when you ring in, we're going to hear this. Remember, Lindsay and Dennis, whoever has more points after two games so will go to our final round. The erotic book and film series Fifty Shades of Grey is also set in Seattle, so this game is called Fifty Shades Dorkier. We took TV shows, movies, and books that are at least partially set in Seattle and tried to sex them up a bit, (laughs) just ring in and identify what we're describing. Here we go. When the red light switches on, Kelsey Grammer leans into the microphone. Hello, caller, he says, his voice throaty and full. And then he says the thing every woman wants to hear. I'm listening. Lindsay. That would be Frasier. Frasier is correct.
0: From the curtained-off section of the video store, this VHS tape wants to turn you on and then turn you off. Seven days after you watch it, you die. Dennis. Uh, The Ring? The Ring is correct.
1: The Cold War is heating up as a steamy Matthew Broderick plays a computer hacker from Seattle. He sexts a computer, you up. It responds, shall we play a game? Oh. A lot of people enjoyed this. Oh, no. <laughs> um, what can I tell you? This is about computer hacking. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lindsay. Hackers? No. Oh.
0: It's a decent guess.
1: That was a good guess. I w- we really would be queuing you up. <laughs> uh, now that you've ringed in Dennis, can you steal I'm from Idaho. You're from Idaho, yes. yeah. <laughs> no excuses. No excuses. I don't know. All right, that's okay. Audience. War Games. War Games also said very, in quite a wonderful unison, by the way. That was huh. rhythmically perfect.
0: The Space Needle wasn't the only thing erected. At Seattle's Century 21 Exposition in 1962, I just grossed myself out, with Elvis Presley crooning and thrusting his hips all around. <phone rings> Lindsay?
2: Something along the lines of, like, it, hap- oh, it Happened at the World's Fair? Yeah, that's right. <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> this
1: bestseller by Maria Simple is about a hot mom. She's so hot, she has to run away to Antarctica to cool off. Lindsay, where'd you go Bernadette? Yeah, that's correct.
0: This is your last clue. With one great heaving surge of his gleaming four-ton body, our titular hero compels himself over the jetty and into the open sea. Did I do it too sexy? It distracted you from too so your- much. I think so. Uh, he's got a four-ton body.
1: It's the orca. Dennis, Free Willy. Yeah, Free Willy. You got it. I like that the X-rated version doesn't really need a title adjustment. <laughs> Great game. Lindsay is in the lead. Want to be a contestant? Just go to amatickets.org and maybe when Amazon turns this podcast into a prime original series, Julia Roberts will play you. Coming up, Nicole Byer returns for a game about the romantic thriller Ghost, which is single handedly responsible for Gen X taking up pottery. By the way, my Etsy shop, Ophira Eisenglaze, is having a big summer sale. I'm Ophira Eisenberg and this is Ask Me Another from NPR.
3: Support for this podcast and the following message come from Kay Bucksbaum in support of the David Gilkey and Zabiula Tamana Memorial Fund, established to strengthen NPR's commitment to training and protecting journalists in high-risk environments.
1: Join us for a live taping of Ask Me Another at the Bell House Tuesday, November 5th. We'll be joined by Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter... Paula Cole, you don't want to wait. Tickets and more
2: info at amatickets.org. People are obsessed with zombies, whether it's watching them be hacked away on TV or planning for the apocalypse.
3: So this week on ThruLine, we're exploring the origins of the zombie. And just like the movies, it's a dark one.
2: Throughline from NPR, the podcast where we go back in time
3: to understand the present.
2: <laughs> zombies don't laugh like that, though.
3: No, that's true
0: this is npr's ask me another coming to you from seattle washington i'm jonathan colton here's your host ophira eisenberg
1: thank you jonathan before the break we met our contestants Lindsay and dennis our next game is about grunge music but first let's check in with our contestants Lindsay, it's great to be on ask me another we are happy to have you and i know you're happy to be here but i'm told that your dream is to be on The Price is Right.
2: Oh, absolutely. That's number one. I've wanted that since pretty much birth. Yeah. (laughs) There is video footage of me on a VHS somewhere of my grandmother giving me uh, one of those echo microphones you plug into a radio, and she says on the video, it's because she loves Bob Barker so much. We wanted to give her a microphone for her to play with. Yeah. Do you... uh...
1: Memorize prices
2: of things? You know, I used to. When I was a kid, I was so obsessed. I would like write down the prices in a journal to like see if I could like quiz myself for when I was going to be on there. You know, I work now, so I can't watch it all the time. Uh,
1: Do you want to just yell one dollar right now? Just want to yell one dollar? One dollar, Bob.
2: And it still should be Bob.
1: Dennis, in college, uh, you were the University of Wyoming's mascot, Pistol Pete.
3: That's right. Yeah, my junior year, I, uh, I applied for the position and got it, and it was a scholarship position. So. Wow.
1: Yeah. Is Pistol Pete an animal?
3: He's a cowboy. He's a cowboy. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah.
1: Uh, So what what intrigued you to take this job as a mascot? Yeah,
3: I think uh, bored, and and I'm kind of goofy, so I was like, oh, this kind of sounds like fun. Wouldn't this be great to be an animated character? And was it fun? Oh, yeah, yes, lots of fun. Yeah, I was really good at crowd surfing. I would also ride down the stadium steps on mattresses. What? Yeah, people would jump on with me, and it was fun.
1: (laughs) Dennis, you're a good man. (laughs) Okay, so your next game is a music parody called Smells Like Teen Starbucks. (laughs) Lindsay, stay in the lead and you're in the final round. Dennis, you need to get more points or you have to move to Portland.
0: (laughs) The Pacific Northwest gave birth to grunge music and also omnipresent corporations that permeate every aspect of our lives. In this game we rewrote grunge classics to make them about things that were invented or began in Seattle. So ring in and tell me what I am singing about and if you get that right for a bonus point you can name the original song or artist who made it famous. All right? Here we go. Sunday morning, it's time to buy the Kirkland steak and Kirkland wine. Try free samples. Grab a 64-ounce jar of Dennis. Oh, that's Costco. Yeah. It is Costco, correct. For a bonus point, can you name the original song or artist? Nirvana. Yeah, that's right. Lithium. Here's your next one. He's just a little dead and his hospital bed.'ll we'll start his heart with this instead. Just yell clear and go ahead. <laughs> clear. <laughs> Dennis, a defibrillator.: Yeah, that's right. <clears throat> Apparently uh, started in Seattle, the defibrillator.: Yeah, did not know this. Dennis, for a bonus point, can you name the original song or artist? I'm going to pander to the crowd. Is that mud, honey? No, I'm, I'm sorry. It is not. That was L7, pretend we're dead. Here's your next one. Paddle sport on a court Like cucumbers in brine Trendy sport on a court They cavort Dennis. Pickleball. Pickleball is the answer. For a bonus point, can you name the original song or artist? Soundgarden. Yeah, that's right. Black Hole Sun. Okay, here's your next one. Those luscious buns at the airport Got in line cause it smelled so good I think swirl, I sing, swirl, and a thousand pounds of sugar. I eat half and regret it. Lindsay.
2: Cinnabon. Yeah, that's right.
0: For a bonus point, can you name the song or artist?
2: Stone Temple Pilots.
0: Yeah, plush. This is your last clue.
2: You're the guy
0: in shorts that I am waiting for If I'm not at home, you leave it by the door Your truck is plain brown, but there's a gold smidge Someday, you'll handle my package Someday, you'll handle my package Goodness! Lindsay UPS yeah that's correct you name the song or artist
2: Oh. I don't think we've said Alice in Chains yet
0: it's a fine guess but it's incorrect that was whole oh. doll parts
1: how'd they do Afira okay so it was incredibly close great job both of you and Dennis is moving on to our final round Before our final round, let's bring back our special guest, Nicole Byer. Welcome back, Nicole. Thank you. So before our show, you told us that your favorite movie is Ghost. I love the movie Ghost.
4: (laughs) What do you love about it? Um, Well, I call it a rom-com, and people have said that it's not, Uh, (laughs) because it is. Pretty dramatic, and there's a murder. (laughs) (laughs) But Whoopi Goldberg is so funny in it. Uh, and I think when I was a kid, I guess I didn't realize how much representation matters. Uh, so I, I think as a child, I saw Whippy Goldberg, a very dark-skinned woman on TV or in a movie, being very funny who didn't look like everybody else, and I didn't look like anybody else. So I was like, her, I love her. Uh, and I still to this day can sit down and watch Ghost. I love it. Well, I mean, you're not
1: alone. That was the highest grossing film of 1990 Mm -hmm. Uh, so we made a whole quiz about it for you oh boy if you don't know ghost star is Demi Moore and Patrick Swayze as her murdered lover who becomes the ghost Mm -hmm. and Whoopi Goldberg as the psychic so if you do well enough at this quiz Scott Iwata from Seattle Washington will win an ask me another Rubik's Cube
4: okay oh boy that's pressure okay all right
1: here's your first question In Ghosts, the most famous scene, Demi Moore and Patrick Swayze are making sweet pottery together. Mm -hmm. But the scene wasn't in the original script of Ghosts. In fact, Demi Moore's character worked in a completely different artistic medium. What was it? Oh. This I don't know. Oh, you you, you nodded your head like you knew. Yes.
4: I was excited. A real fake out. Uh Oh, yeah, good one. (laughs) No, um, I don't know, but let's see. If she was, they have her doing pottery. They thought it would be too what?
1: Uh, They thought it was, well, actually, yeah, I'll tell you that Jerry Zucker wanted to change it because he thought it was too cliche, so he changed it to pottery. Oh, God. An art curator? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, art curator is exactly what I would think. Uh It was was wood sculptor. He thought that was cliche? I know! I know! I've, I've never seen
0: anybody do wood sculpting I in a movie. I mean,
1: Jerry Zucker must have really bizarre friends. Yes. I mean, he's like, ah, oh, another wood sculpting <laughs> script.
0: <laughs> Whoopi Goldberg won a Best Supporting Actress Oscar for her role in Ghost. What famous warning does she relay from Patrick Swayze to Demi Moore that has since become an
1: internet Molly, meme? you in danger,
4: girl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> Should we hear the clip just for fun? You in danger, girl. <laughs> what
0: song by the Righteous Brothers appeared Unchained on the... Unchained Melody. <laughs> 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 yeah. let, me, let me rephrase the question. Sorry. Ghost
1: song.
4: Unchained Melody. Okay,
1: great. I think we should hear it.
4: Yeah. Oh, oh yeah.
0: My. Just making a little pottery, doing a little wood sculpting on the side. <laughs> Just whittling to this music.
4: Good whittling music.
0: Chisel, hammer.
1: <laughs> okay. At the end of Ghost, dark spirits come to take the bad guy Carl, played yes. by Tony, Tony Goldwyn. Goldwyn, to hell. And they make this sound. <laughs> so the question is how did filmmakers create that sound but you sort of showed us
4: Uh, let's see how did they make it Uh,
1: it's super creepy the answer is super creepy
4: does it have to do with animals well no okay Uh, does it have to do with like, like children crying and slowing it down yes oh really yes
1: it is the sound of babies crying, <laughs> slowed down.
4: I can't believe I got that.
1: <laughs> Can we hear it again? That's the one.
4: Yeah, that baby was really that, having a <laughs> time. That was nuts.
0: I don't care for that at all. <laughs> yeah,
4: exactly. Exactly. <laughs>
1: Nicole you did it you and listener Scotty Wada both won Ask Me Another Rubik's Cube yay Nicole co-hosts the new Earwolf podcast Best Friends with Sashir Zameda and season three of Nailed It is streaming on Netflix give it up for Nicole Byers Want our next special guest to play for you? Follow Ask Me Another on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. It's time to crown our big winner. Let's bring back our finalists: Karen Seacrest, a Trivial Pursuit hustler, and Dennis Feeney, who received a college scholarship for wearing a Pistol Pete costume. Karen and Dennis, your final round is inspired by Seattle's nickname, The Emerald City. Every answer contains an item that you might find in a store that sells gems, precious stones, minerals, and fossils, like the store I used to work at called Geomania. What just happened is Dennis realized that he's a geologist.
0: Feels like a slight advantage in this game.
1: You never know. Our big winner will receive an Aspen of the Rubik's Cube signed by Nicole Byer. We rolled a 20-sided die backstage, and Karen is going first. Here we go. Karen, a baseball field is also called this. A diamond. That is correct. Dennis, it's a Rolling Stones song and a restaurant chain with a popular salad bar. Cubert. Three, <laughs> Sorry, the answer is ruby, as in Ruby Tuesday. Karen, a space rock is called this when it hits the ground on Earth. Meteorite. That is correct. Dennis, this artificial glass is made from volcanic rock dust from Mount St. Helens. Ash. You do study volcanic rock? (laughs) Sorry, that is incorrect. <laughs> we were looking for helenite, But we would have accepted Obsidian, Mount St. Helens Obsidian, Emerald Obsidianite, Ruby Obsidianite.
0: Dennis is going to be like, your description was totally wrong.
1: <laughs> very, very specific rock types.
3: <laughs> Jonathan, how is it going? What's the score?
0: Well, so far, Dennis's advantage has not kicked in. Two to zero with Karen in the lead
1: Karen, some suits are made out of this Twilled fabric with a V-shaped Pattern named for A fish skeleton Herringbone That is correct Dennis, this actress was the lead In the show Joan of Arcadia And starred in the Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants (laughs) I know you know it Emma Stone. <laughs> that was pretty good. Amber Tamblin is what we were looking for. Karen, it's another name for a bone cyst. A uh, bone spur? <laughs> good guess. That is incorrect. We were looking for geode. Dennis, the 2009 film Precious is based on the novel Push by this author. Rocky Balboa. Okay, very good. The answer we were looking for is Sapphire. We're halfway through, Jonathan. How's it going?
0: <laughs> uh, still no, no clear sign of a geologist's advantage. <laughs> From Tennessee, Karen is in the lead, three to zero. Okay.
1: Karen, this public transportation pass is used in Sydney, Australia. Uh, stone from an Ayers Rock card. <laughs> Good guess. Actually called the Opal card. Dennis, with Horace, he's one of Cruella de Vil's Dalmatian stealing henchmen. Do you want to say an answer? Am I going to have my geology license taken yes, away for this? Yes. <laughs> it's a weird way that we orchestrated this whole show to do this.
0: <laughs> this is an intervention, Dennis. <laughs>
1: exactly.
3: q <laughs> <Cuber>? Great. <Right. laughs>
1: Close. The answer we were looking for is uh, Jasper. Jonathan Colton, how's it going? The score is... 3 to 0,
0: Karen, if you get this next one right, you win the game.
1: Karen, this Vermeer painting features a young woman wearing a turban. Girl with a pearl earring? That is correct. <laughs> Dennis, I can't say enough about how much we loved having you on the show. Thank you so much. And congratulations, Karen. You're our big winner. And that is our show. Our podcast drops each Friday. Listen and subscribe. Ask another's house musician is Jonathan Colton. Hey, my name is Anagram. It's the jolt of cannon. Our puzzles were written by Camilla Franklin, Sean Gole, Andrew Kane, Carol Lee, and senior writer Karen Lurie, with additional material by Kara Weinberger and Emily Winter. Our senior supervising producer is Rachel Neal. Ask Me Another is produced by Mike Katzef, Travis Larchuk, Kiara Powell, Nancy Seychau, Romel Wood, and our intern Hannah Meyer-Katkin, along with Steve Nelson and Anya Grunman. We are recorded by Damon Whittemore. We'd like to thank the Moore and Seattle Theatre Group.
0: True Palettes Together.
1: K U O W. You cow. And our production partner, WNYC. I'm her ripe begonias. Ophira Eisenberg. And this was Ask Me Another from NPR. <laughs> Next time on Ask Me Another, we're in Dallas, Texas, with singer-songwriter Alejandro Escovedo. He explains what it was like to grow up in a big musical family, the year he lived at the Chelsea Hotel, and his new album, The Crossing. Then we challenge him to a custom version of this, that, or the other. So join me, Ophira Eisenberg, on Ask Me Another, the answer to life's funnier questions.